Today's sermon comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. Be careful, then, how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. My friends, it is a delight to be with you in worship on this very beautiful September morning, right after the Bulldogs beat Clemson. I had to point it out. Sorry, friends, if you're not a Bulldog fan, but half of you pay my salary, so go Bulldogs, go Tech, right? Brad Ritchie, that was wonderful. And uh, right before he played that, when I was passing the piece, I asked him if he needed a little bit more tutoring from me on the cello. And then he called my bluff and tried to offer me the cello, and I ran away really fast because that's what you do when, when you're silly like me and you see somebody play like that. Isn't that great? Isn't the music ministry great at Peachtree? Give them all a round of applause. Our dear Reverend Chambers is in Paris, France, recording his album for the Worship Collective Porter's Gate. That's exciting. Lots of stuff happening around this church. You heard about some things at the top of service, but I hope that you will take an opportunity to really dig in and find ways that you can grow in your faith because of the ministry of this congregation. Today begins a sermon series that we're in, embarking on called Reset, Restore, and Recommit. Out in the narthex, you can find one of these daily prayer prompts, and we encourage you to pick one up and pray through it throughout this whole month. I understand that COVID is just as bad as it's ever been, in fact, cases worse. But the way we as a culture are engaging and encountering COVID is different this year. So I'm asking the church, I'm asking you, Peachtree Christian Church, to reset, restore what's been broken, and recommit not simply to a church, but to the mission that we share together. Amen? Amen. I know that things have been different, been hard. But guess what? God is still God. And you have purpose. You've got good work to do. And your work is not alone. Do you get that? Uh, I'm looking for a little bit of feedback. Do you get that? Yes. Your work is not alone. Your work is meant to be done together. So let's think about resetting, restoring, and recommitting. Amen? Amen. We're going to pray. What I want you to do is I want you to exhale all the air out of your lungs so that when you breathe in, you feel the breath of God. Exhale. Breathe in the breath of God. God, help us. We need you. Let us feel your love. Let us feel your presence. You and I know already that without you, I can do nothing. So we just appeal to you. Help us, God. Help us as we think about the scripture. Help us as we continue to worship. 
Help us as we eat and feast on your body and blood. Help us, God. Be here. And be amongst everyone who can hear my voice, that you can bring renewal through something of some of these words. Bring renewal to broken hearts. Bring salvation for the wayward. Bring wholeness to the broken. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I used to be in a dorm with a very intelligent fellow, really smart guy. After we parted ways in college, he had a career for national public radio shows like um, um, This American Life and Radio Lab. These are smart shows. These are successful shows. I'll admit, I actually am jealous of his career path. But just because he's intelligent doesn't mean he was always wise. I remember he actually got in trouble in our college. In fact, he was dismissed from it. We had this thing called Christian service learning or something like that. It wasn't enough just to go to school, but you also had to put on volunteer hours uh, and then you had to talk about them with one of the deans and you had to show that you were serving Christ in the world by serving people. He thought that was stupid. He thought that it was silly to make it part of a curriculum. He thought he was already doing it anyway. So he decided that he was going to just go ahead and, and buck the system. And he was asked to leave the school. It's an intelligent guy. Smart guy. Witty guy. But I wouldn't have called what he did very wise. Intelligence does not equal wisdom. Now, wisdom is a challenging thing to explain. Different traditions define it differently. It seems to me that if you read a, what we call in the Old Testament the wisdom literature, at least you could say that wisdom is about decision-making that will help your life go well. At least it's that. Take the Proverbs, for instance. They're pithy, you know that. They're often very practical, and, and people go over them for some solid instruction for living. There's nothing wrong with that. Yet at the high point of the wisdom tradition, it seems that most of it is focused on the fear of God or having fear of God, which puts us creatures like you and me, us needy, contingent beings, in the correct order, below and subservient to God, who is not contingent, but necessary being. Take, for example, one of the wonderful books in the wisdom literature section of the Old Testament. Take, for example, Job. There's pain in Job's life. There's loss in Job's life. There's heartache in Job's life. Job's friends come around and give him some bad theology, and he appeals to God, why? Have you ever wanted to yell out why to God before? I have. And God basically says to Job, were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Were you present when I made all of this? Now, there's a lot of moral question, questioning we could do with the narrative of Job, but what's it really trying to get at is 
trying to remind us of where we sit before God. There's wisdom in understanding that we are not above God and that we are rather below God. And I know there's more that we could say about the wisdom tradition found in our texts, found in our theology, but who can deny that wisdom at least means knowing and exercising decisions that are most workable or most good in this world? St. Paul, in our text this morning, admonishes the Christians of the church in Ephesus to be very careful about how they live. Live with care, you might say. Be wise, says St. Paul. Don't be unwise. The reason that he gives is that the days are evil. Now be careful with that. Too many people like to make dichotomies and dualisms out of things. Be careful when Paul says the days are evil to think then, therefore, that the world itself is evil. We've got to balance it out with the whole rest of the biblical witness. And we find in the biblical witness that God makes creation and he calls it good, right? And very good when brought together. I don't think Paul is saying that Monday, for instance, although we might think Mondays are evil, but I don't think he's just thinking of a random day and saying it's just evil in its existence. I think what Paul is saying is be careful of how you live, right? Because there are evils in this world. There are evils that pollute the life that we live on day-to-day basis. So be careful. Be wise. So there's a lot of bad stuff out there, and there's a lot of bad stuff that can affect you right here. Plainly, this admonition really hits close to home. You see, I believe that we are living in an age right now that's apocalyptic. I know many of you have heard the word apocalypse, and you associate that with the end of time. But apocalypse, this Greek word, has a real close friend in the Latin language, and that's the word for revelation. All we really mean when we're talking about the apocalyptic genre of the Bible or the apocalypse is we're talking about an unveiling, a revealing. You and I, we are living in an apocalypse. You know how I know? Because these 18-plus months have shed light in dark corners that you and I have either not seen or we have ignored. Light has been shining on the cracks and fissures of our society, and along with an apocalyptic moment is usually the end of one kind of age and the beginning of another. Our world, my friends, is changing. You and I are living in this time of an apocalypse. It's a moment teeming with hazards. And we must live wisely in this moment. But what else does it mean to live wisely according to dear old St. Paul? Well, for one thing, it is to make the most of your time. Our age makes me want to reflect on that again because we've lived in this uncertainty for so long. And COVID does nothing if not tell us that life is short. Make the most of your time because life is short. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but you do not have time to waste. 
Now, most of us, when we hear what I'm saying, tend to think about bucket list living. You know what a bucket list is. Things you want to do before you kick the bucket. Became popular after a movie was made by that title some years back. And people talk like that, right? It's my bucket list. Uh, I'd like to go to Cooperstown and see the Baseball Hall of Fame. Or it's my bucket list. I'd like to swim in dolphins or something, right? Or you've heard it if you're a younger person. You might have heard it said with a hashtag and the phrase YOLO. You only live once. Well, that's true. But I'm afraid that bucket list thinking and YOLO living is self-centered oftentimes. And a lot of times it's decadent beyond belief. I remember when I was on Twitter, I got off of Twitter because I wanted to save my soul. But when I was on Twitter, <laughs> there was a story a number of years ago. This fellow was tweeting that he was drunk. He was driving 105 miles an hour. Hashtag, that's a pound sign for those of you who don't know what that is. Hashtag YOLO. And after he hit send and put it out on Twitter, he wrecked and died, killed other people too. We're not talking about bucket list indulgences. We're not talking about YOLO uh, dangers. Better, I think, to think about dwelling on a life that focuses on what really, really matters. Life is short, so focus on what is important. That is why Paul cautions against drunkenness. That's a waste of time, and also, you're not in control. And it's why Paul encourages the Christians to speak to each other in hymns and songs and spiritual songs. I know that we come to church, and you're used to singing, and we're used to thinking about our song as, as, as praise to God. And it's good. That's part of it. But he tells the people to speak to each other in good songs, good words. Say kind things. Have you ever wondered why it is that we sing in church? Like, have you ever asked that question? Kind of weird, isn't it? We all stand up, face this way, and sing. Why? I think, for starters, it reminds us that our spirituality is not simply in our brains or in our spirits. It's bodily. And I know I'm speaking, and that's bodily, but there's something about singing that your, your whole body becomes an instrument, and it resonates, right, and it rumbles, and there's something about that that reminds us that we're spiritual beings inside and out. But there's more. There's more. It's a shared prayer to God. It's a motive. It gets you right in the guts. And there's still more. This is the time when we gather together each week, and we sing words, not just to God, but to each other, that we affirm a shared faith to each other. This is why you actually have to show up. This is why you have to recommit to your community. You can't do this on your own. You can sing in the car and in the shower. Fine, do that. I do it too. But there's something about looking other people in the eye and saying and singing these words, reminding them of their shared faith with you. Because as Bonhoeffer said, and I think he's right, sometimes the Christ in my brother is stronger than the Christ in me. Paul says, sing to each other good words, 
not sarcastic ones, not angry ones, not, not critical ones, not judgmental ones. Even if you say, I'm sorry, but that's not okay. It doesn't excuse the nastiness with which people use words to hurt each other. Look each other in the eye and say, you were loved. Have you ever looked someone in the eye and said, you're forgiven? Do you know the power in that? Do you know the power in telling someone else, you are forgiven? Oh, it's a good song to sing. Why don't you sing it to me today? I'll listen to it. It looks to me like wise living for St. Paul is found in living a life in pursuit of God's purpose for your life. Yes, we all have a purpose. You have a purpose. Your life is not meant to be aimless and void of meaning. You have a purpose, friends. And God wants you to live toward that purpose with great intentionality. A lot of people just talk about this as being the will of God. I remember one day I came into a friend's dorm room in college. I was studying for the ministry. We had living rooms with four bedrooms in our dorm. And this guy was in his bedroom, and I could hear him, and he was sobbing uncontrollably. I heard thuds. I saw him hitting his chest, just like he was berating himself. And I, I said, well, what's going on, man? You okay? He had his Bible open, and he was praying. I said, what, what, what's, what, is everything okay? What's going on? Because I'm praying to find out what God's will is, if I should go on this mission trip or not. I looked at him because I knew he was a man of sincere faith. Clearly, he really wanted to make sure he was okay and right with God. But it was also kind of um, a dysfunctional view of the will of God. But you want to know if it's okay with God for you to go to this third world country to do good work for God and for these people? Of course. Of course God is okay with that. I tell you that story because I think we get really uh, odd about the will of God, thinking that God has a specific outline plan for all of us for every decision we make. I don't think that's true at all. I think the will of God is pretty simple. It's laid out in Scripture all over the place. To follow the path of Christ. To bring justice where there's injustice. To bring forgiveness where there needs it. To bring healing where there's needed. Do the work of Christ. But I do think, if you're interested in knowing what your purpose is before God, I'd say think like this. What are you good at? What are you blessed by God with an innate talent and ability to do? What gifts and resources do you have at your disposal? Take all that stuff and use it for God. Use it to help the world. There's some, some sense of a cross that happens there. The resources at your disposal and the world's needs. How can you make an impact? And there's your purpose. You've got good work to do. Life is short. Get on with it. And I believe St. Paul would also admonish us to remember to, to live within God's community of care. I don't think that it pleases God to be autonomous Christians floating out in the world by ourselves. In fact, I know that we don't grow that way. We're called to be in each other's lives. 
We're called to bring joy to each other's lives. We're called to strengthen each other's lives. It's work that we can only do together. My friends, the days are short. Do not waste them on things that don't matter. Spend your time in pursuit of God's will and God's justice for this place. Spend the days in hopeful community with your family and your family of faith. Be with the ones you love, but also be with your church family. Where else in your life are you paired up with people that you wouldn't choose? It is healthy for us to belong to a community of people who are different than us. Maybe sometimes people who get on our nerves because it is in relationship that we grow most profoundly. Friends, the days are short. Forgive each other. Share kind words. Bless other people. You don't have what you have for yourself. You have what you have for the sake of others. Friends, the days are short. Do not leave the good stuff of your life on the table. Get it out and share it away. Give it away. At this point in the pandemic, we've all seen unwise living. <laughs> we here at PCC, Peachtree Christian Church, are calling you and us and we together to reset, to restore, and to recommit. It's time to reset our hearts on God. It's time to restore things that have been broken. And it's time to recommit not only to following the path of Christ, but to do so in this very community. God bless you.